Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Teaching Kindness, the Bullies Be Gone podcast, with yours truly, Nate Webb, the founder of Bullies Be Gone. Here on BBG, I go into all things kindness, bringing in guests and experts from all wakes of life. And we are all here for one reason and one reason only, to help you and your kids get over bullies, get off social media, and love your lives. So come on in and learn how to live in a world where kindness is king. I'm your host, Nate Webb. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody, and welcome back. It is great to be at BBG. In this day and age, there are so many things vying for our attention, so many distractions, and it's so easy to become passive parents and accidentally raise passive kids. Kids aren't bored like they used to be anymore. They aren't imaginative playing like they used to. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, wrapping paper rolls became my lightsaber, and I was a Jedi Knight on a quest to save the galaxy. But now it feels like a lot of little kids are just sitting in front of their screens and, well, not doing much. My guest today, Adrian Thompson, is a parent coach that specializes in helping parents be purposeful with their kids. Her main goal is just to help parents raise emotionally healthy kids. And there's going to be a lot of gold nuggets in this episode. But first, got to pay the bills. All right, everybody, we are back. So like I said in the intro, we live in an age of passive parenting and the emotional health of our kids are taking a hit. But how can we parent with purpose? How can we help our kids to be more innovative, to have more fun, to be kids? Well, this is the exact specialty of my guest today, Adrienne Thompson. Over the past few years, she has used her passion for people and learning to help parents raise emotionally healthy kids. You can find her tools and practical tips to becoming a more powerful parent and purposeful parent on her blog, Raising Kids with Purpose. Adrienne also works for a company that helps parents and teachers empower students by running micro schools. She's a parent coach striving to help everyone she possibly can. Welcome, welcome, Adrienne, to the show. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. You're very welcome. So first off, how the heck are you? Remind me, where are you coming at us from? Somewhere in Arizona? I'm in Surprise, Arizona. Surprise. I actually know Surprise. some people from Surprise. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, small town. Oh, Richard Aldridge, or was it Chance Davis? One of the two. Anyway, it was a long time ago. <laughs> I, I served a church mission with them. Yeah, he's like, Surprise, Arizona. I'm like, never heard of it. Blinding Utah? He's like, nope, never heard of it either. I'm like, yep, small towns for the win. <laughs> awesome. Uh, you asked me how I was. I'm really good. I'm busy, but good. Well, that's always good. I'll take that better than bad. I love when I was like, yeah. how, how are you doing? And folks are like, bad. I'm like, oh gosh, I, <laughs> okay. No, I'm glad you're doing so good. Um, so let's, so let's just dive right in. Let's talk about boredom for a second. I noticed you've given a few really good posts about boredom. Um, we have so many parents who are just trying to make sure their parents, their kids are never bored. They're like, our kid, mm -hmm. my kids are going to run amok. I don't want them to be bored. So they stick them in front of a screen or something. And it's a disaster. Why is boredom so important? Why should we allow our kids to be bored? Oh my goodness. Boredom is so important because it teaches our kids. So whenever they're bored, they're able to access their default mode network in their brain, which basically, so it's a bunch of different group of brain structures that help, um, it's active whenever you're in your resting state. And so during this time is whenever our brains can process life. 
And also whenever our children are bored, they could figure out how to fill that boredom on their own mm. without it being served to them, which is really important because what we're finding is whenever uh, kids are not bored, they are losing out on activities that help develop so many amazing skills that they need, self-regulation skills, uh, self-control, empathy, executive function. Executive function is huge. Uh, what executive function is, is all the skills like organization, time management, self-control. If our brains are never able to rest, we don't develop these skills. <laughs> and also when kids are on board, they're not playing and playing is so important. And we already know in school, they're not getting as much play as they used to. And this is where we develop all these skills as well. The boredom is so important. And something I'm noticing too, some of those kids that spend more time on the screens, because a lot of parents are like, well, we're going to put them in front of little Einstein. They're going to learn so much and they're not going to play. But the less and less their creative plays becoming. I mean, I I remember when I was little, man, like my toilet paper rolls, those were lightsabers and I was going <laughs> to kill all the Sith in the galaxy, but I'm not seeing that as much. And you're talking about how playing your imagination is so important. How come that specifically is such a crucial element? Why is that? Because that's how our, that's how we learn. Mm. That's how we engage in, uh, you know, I, one day I, we were at the park and this was actually not a very fun experience, but we learned a lot from it. So we were at the park and we show up and a lot of our uh, friends, kids had toy guns. Hardly any of them even shot anything. They were just making noise and the kids are running around and they're playing and they were in their own little world where there were some adults there that were not happy that our children had toy guns because I get it. They probably had something that happened or the media tells them that this is bad. Right. And so we, I, I was the only mom that was over by these 10 boys. <laughs> All the other moms were away, um, you know, chit chatting, which is fine because kids need to play and they need to play without adults yes. telling them how to play. Right. But I had a three-year-old at the time, so I needed to be, you know, close by him. And these uh, adults, I would start screaming in my face and were so upset that our children were playing. And so I did some research and the research told me that it's so important to play with, uh, this is where, the, where our kids learn. So them playing with toy guns are able to figure out, okay, cause and effect. If I you know, pretend to shoot him, then he falls down, he goes down and you want them to do it in a play time, not in real life. Right. And this is the way kids figure out life. And so, although it was a very uncomfortable experience, I'm thankful that we went through it because I was able to explain to our kids too. And I was able to tell them like, okay, so whenever you have conflict, do you scream at another person? What does that solve? You know, we were able to pull out all kinds of lessons. You see this full grown this. adult? Don't act like them. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But um, I mean, they were screaming at the kid. They ended up calling the police and the police never came. Um, but yeah. Mm, surprise, was... surprise. But the what I found out though is it's so important because this is the way our kids make sense of their world. You know, whenever children are born, they're very, 
their world is their world. It's them. They don't realize it involves other people. And so through play is how we, how they uh, learn that it's more outside of themselves, yes. which leads to empathy and leads to all these other amazing skills that we need. And we're majorly lacking, especially because they're just on a screen all day long and they're not getting that face-to-face -face interaction. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I feel like that that opportunity to play, to learn, to use your imagination is just being stifled by that dadgum screen. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and, and can I say too, so I have a four-year-old and he has never, well, I say never, he has been given a phone one time to play with and he's four years old. And the reason why I had given him a phone because I was in a 504 meeting and at school and I forgot to bring his busy bag, but he has never been play played on a phone. He's never played on a tablet. He watches TV maybe two to three hours a week because we only do it on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And can I tell you, you said the, you know, with your lightsaber and your toilet table roll, he turns anything into anything else. I mean, ever, I mean, it could be food. It could be his imagination is so big. Mm. And I don't know if it's just his personality, but it does seem like it's connected because I look at other four-year-olds who are given the screen all the time to entertain them. And I just don't see that imagination. Again, this is just one case and it might not be, right. but I do see that he's able to just uh, entertain himself for hours and able to, I mean, he was using a pot the other day as like a, a funny mirror, you know, and making different faces in a pot. Or, and then that pot became a hat. And then that pot became, I mean, he like used it in so many different ways. And I think it's because he's given the opportunity to do so. I love that. Parents, those of you who are listening and teens who are listening, kids who are listening, put down your phone, put down your screen, <laughs> like look away from it, like legit when What's you're that? at home for like a week. Like, just try it out for a week. Look up from your phone, put it away, um, or put your kids' screen away and see what happens. See their I imagination. I do have to say, it, it, it might be super, super challenging, especially in those first couple of days, because oh. if their brain is used to being entertained all the time, it's going to be really hard because they're used to these huge amounts of dopamine. Oh, yeah. So, and so it's not just, oh, put the phone away. Like you have to have a plan. <laughs> I feel yes. like. Especially yes. if they're used to being on it all the time. Yes. There's going to be tantrums for the first little while. They're going to go through what's called yes. an extinction burst because you took away that thing that their brain's used to. And they're going to be so mad about it for like two seconds. And then they're going to be fine. Yes. And um, a, a book, I'm sorry, a book I highly, highly recommend is Victoria Dunkley's Reset Your Child's Brain. She ooh. gives you an actual protocol to follow a plan to follow and it's it's amazing okay so it's reset your child's brain by victoria someone dunkley dunkley, dunkley. there you go <laughs> yeah. reset your child's brain highly recommend um so kind of change gears a little bit so um you specialize right in helping parents become purposeful now mm -hmm. what is, what's the big deal behind that like what, what why is it being purposeful versus being passive because that's what our children need. They are born into this world needing someone to attach to. Someone that's what our, our we are relational beings and we are wired to find connection with our parents. And so it's so important. And if we if you ask parents, what do you want for your children? Most say what? 
what do you to think? To be happy. That, happy. I want them <laughs> you know? to feel loved. Yes, I want them to be kind and helpful and all these things. Well, that doesn't happen. First of all, if you're not modeling those things. And second of all, if you don't have a connection with them. I love that. So you talked to, so you just barely said, if you're not modeling those things. So do you mean to say the best way to raise an empathetic, energetic kid is to be that thing yourself? What? <laughs> say what? <laughs> Groundbreaking material here on set. No, oh my gosh. It's so elementary, but yet so many people miss the point. They try to resort to like YouTube videos and like showing their kids via like, literal instruction on the screen like here's how you should act socially <laughs> instead of just doing that thing themselves as parents and then letting their kids run wild a little bit i mean that's, well, that's okay I, I, I mean not not totally un, unparented i mean you i didn't say let, let's give some parents some grace because look at all of the things that are pulling our attention now and, oh my god I and mean, it's so hard it's, it's so hard so you got so yes. many people giving like unsolicited, you should do that. Like kind of like even this, like telling parents, Hey, you know, your kids are suffering, whatever it may be. But then there's the other side of it where they're, you know, they're Googling how, how can I be a better parent? And then they got so many, Oh, you need to, you need to have your kid watch this so they can be multilingual. They need to do this. They need to do this. <laughs> if you don't do this by this time, then your kid's going to be behind developmentally. And parents are so scared that, they're that, 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 you know, some of them aren't allowing their kids to be, to be bored. And so parents, please, please, please don't feel guilt and shame right now, especially because you're doing the best that you can, that you, that with the knowledge that you have, mm -hmm. um, if you are struggling with your child's behavior, if you're just feeling like there could be more joy and spark in their life, see if there's any room for removing screens in their life. And if mm -hmm. there's any room for that, try it out. See what happens. There might be some struggles at first, but try it out. And in addition to that is whenever you remove the screen, you create more room to have connection. And that Ooh. I believe is what our children need is your undivided attention, even if it's only for 10 minutes a day or 10 mm -hmm. minutes a day with individual children. And this could be hard too. You know, my youngest is like, no, it's always my time. <laughs> so it's really hard to get my 11 year old, you know, by himself for 10 minutes, but even 10 minutes a day research shows us that that all our kids need to have that attention bucket and to feel that they're unconditionally loved and that you are rooting for them. And also whenever I watched, I think it was Oprah. It was a clip or something from the nineties, but it, I don't remember who she was interviewing, but the psychologist said so many kids, when they walk in their room, all they want from their parent is a smile or Whoa. eye contact, or, you know, imagine like so many times if your child walks in the room, are you even looking up? I mean, wait, because right. we need to get off our phones too, you know? Right. So I feel like it's not just about taking our kids off of the screens, but it's about providing them um, love and affection and connection, and then also giving them time to figure things out on their own as well and not yes. fully hovering all the time. Yes. I love, oh my gosh. I love all, okay, guys, pause it, pause <laughs> and take notes. Pause, pause. Okay. So I, at all of that, I'm, oh, yes. So 
you mentioned we need to get off our phones. And that right there for me is a big deal, a big one, because I feel like a big reason that a lot of parents are putting their kids on phones or on screens is so that we can stay on ours so that we can keep on. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. No, 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 don't, don't, don't mess up the living room. I just cleaned it. And I wanted to take a picture for Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, parents, I'm again, not shaming or judging, trying real hard. What a point I'm trying to get across is sometimes we need to get off our phones so that we can connect with our kids. I love what you said. Just 10 minutes of quality connection, talking, looking, undivided attention makes the mm -hmm. world of difference. I love that. And during this time is letting your child lead with what they want to do and what their interests are. Mm. And also pausing, not just constantly talking and chatting, especially I don't, I feel like moms are, are known for that, but just giving space to allow your child to talk to you. And this is hard for me because I am such a talker. And so, but I've been finding myself just pausing and then my 11 year old will just all of a sudden start opening up, which is amazing. Hi. That is okay. awesome. Sorry, I'm doing a podcast right now. <laughs> Hi, Sorry Adrian's husband. You can edit. I know. He's, um, he's like, walks in. I was like, Shh, but you can edit, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, but yeah, like okay, th that, that connection piece, I, I believe also that that is incredibly important and giving them space to do those things, to feel like they're here with us, not just us being at them but us mm -hmm. being with them. Oh, absolutely, man. And being okay with our kids. You said this, but okay with our kids making a mess. So we yes. have this lock locker in our kitchen and it has every kind of making material you can think of, you know, paper and markers, but the paper towel rolls and foam and any kind of science stuff. And my four-year-old, he's been doing this since he was two. He would just, he'll just go over there and just start taping things together and gluing stuff together. And he'll just spend an hour by himself just building and creating. And so we need to provide those opportunities for our kids to do that and be okay with the mess. Yep. And then we're teaching them, like, let's clean up together. And we're teaching right. them so many skills within that. But I think parents are, they're afraid of the messes. They're afraid of, you know, having to organize all these things for our kids all the time but you don't have to just give them some space and i'm telling you it's amazing what they're able to create and what they can tap into whenever you give them that room yeah it's so true it is so true um like we kids need to be bored they need to make messes they need to be kids i feel like kids right now in this day and age so many kids are being forced to grow up way too fast um, with the rise of social media, rise of technology, technology is not necessarily a bad thing. It's a great tool and it's not going anywhere, but mm. some aspects of it are being kind of damaging. Um, so my whole movement, right? It, it, it started <laughs> to try to help bully victims, um, to help empower people who feel weak. Um, in your opinion, what is something that parents can do to raise empathetic and kind kids? Um, to, cause no one wants to accidentally raise a bully. No one wants to be like, Oh, dang it. Why is my kid exhibiting those bully like behaviors and parents? It's never, it's never always your fault. If your kid is a bully, a, okay. Don't blame yourself, 
But what are some best practices that parents can do to raise empathetic kids? We touched on this a little bit, but model, that's the number mm -hmm. one. Yes. I mean, I yes. feel like with anything we want our child to do, we want to model it. So when you're in a car and someone cuts you off, you know, how do you model empathy during that time? No four letter <laughs> words. That's what. <laughs> right. So showing empathy to your child, which is really huge, mm. validating feelings, something that I've learned. I knew, okay, I want to validate my child's feelings. I want to be empathic towards them whenever their world is exploding because they got the blue cup instead of the red cup or whatever it may be. However, oh. I would find myself using the word, but I understand that you want the red cup, but well, what happens is when we insert that, but we negate Everything. our validation. <laughs> so instead, I don't know who said this, but they said to replace your butt with because. And so it's like, you want the red cup because that is your favorite color because, and then all of a sudden that child's like, oh yes. Yeah. So I'm showing my child empathy. And then that in turn, he, I, I noticed my children do that to each other. Mm. Oh, I see that you're upset because of this. It's because I'm modeling that in the house. And again, I don't do this perfectly. I don't do this all the time, but you know, as long as I have self-awareness and I can remember that I want to model for my children, how I want them to behave and act. I love that. Um, yes. And then wow. teaching our kids self-awareness is huge. Mm. Helping them feel, uh, first of all, them understanding that all emotions are healthy. Yes. There's no bad emotions and there's no, no good emotions. That's no. at the base yes. of helping them build an emotional vocabulary. <laughs> when my youngest was two and three would be at Costco and a child would be screaming and crying instead of saying that child's sad he would use all kinds of words <laughs> because I point them out in books I point them out when he is watching tv um you know we I point out whenever other people are acting a certain way so building that emotional vocabulary is huge so that they can name it um even just naming an emotion as you can tame it in your own self. So having that self-awareness and then you can acknowledge that in others mm. uh, for sure. Uh, what else? So emotional vocabulary, self-awareness, uh, providing them opportunities to solve conflict face-to-face. -face. Ooh, oh, what? Oh, we're going to make that. <laughs> we're going to do that socially awkward thing for them. I actually am a big fan of that. Um, who was it was talking? I forget who's talking about, but they're like, take like go shopping with your kid and purposefully forget something and get to the cash <laughs> register and make your kid wait while you uh, go back and get the thing. So they have to sit there in that uncomfortable situation and just process it. And I was like, oh man, yes. that's so cringy, but so good for them. So this just happened. Hopefully this is okay to share. I'm sure my 11 year old will be fine with this, but uh, he, we have been letting him go to the park and it's just, you know, a couple blocks down. I think it's so important for kids to play without parents hovering, especially at 11 years old. That's where you start to really become like your own person and, and solve problems. And so hopefully we've given them all the tools to be able to do so. And it's really cool. It's a, uh, there's all these houses around this park and I don't know how many kids play there, probably 20 some. And so lots of developments going on, right? Or lots of uh, 
problem solving, all these things that are so good. Play, even at 11, even though he says, I hang out, mom, I don't play. I think that's from like Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Um, so he comes home, he's sneaking. He was like being really just odd. And, but he wanted me to ask him what was going on. I could tell because he was like writing something on a piece of paper, but he was doing it right in front of me. And so finally I was like, okay, show me the paper, what's going on? And he was writing an apology letter because he did something that was unkind to a child at the park. And then all the other kids teamed up on him, stole his bike, were calling them names. And he was just devastated, right? But it started with an action that he did that was very, very unkind to another child. Uh And so he came home and wanted to make things right on his own. And he started writing a letter to this child. It was like, will you be my friend again? I'm so sorry. I want to give you $5 to buy a taco. I mean, it was in his own (laughs) unique way to apologize. And, and then he said that one of the girls would not give him his bike back. So he lost it and he, he's differently wired. So he has some stuff going on in his brain and self-control is really hard for him. And he said he lost it and shoved her off the bike and he felt awful about it. Well, right at that moment, the mom and the daughter show up at our doorstep and it's a seven o'clock at night, it's dark. And, but can I tell you, it was so beautiful because these two kids were standing face to face. The mom is a third grade teacher and totally found value in them solving the conflict face to face. She was using, I knew that she like had a really good SEL, social emotional, you know, learning like vocabulary. She understood what was going on. She understood that he was differently wired and, oh. and his behavior was not who he oh, was. Thank, thank I mean, heavens. it was so, right? It was so beautiful versus like some dad coming when to beat us up or something. Well, no, right. There's so many, <laughs> so many like lawnmower parents that are like, how dare you touch my child and just like snowplow yes. through all their problems. Yes, oh but God. it was so beautiful. And because the kids were so uncomfortable, but they both, because she, and we didn't force them to apologize. We didn't tell them what to say. We just sat there and allowed them to see each other. The, the girl was crying and, uh, you know, my son projects whatever in awkward situations. And so he was like, wouldn't this been easier over zoom? And he was, you know, saying different things, but he was getting her to laugh. And then we were kind of guiding it like, okay, so what could you guys do next time? And, but they, it was so beautiful to watch and they were face to face and they had to sit in that uncomfortable mm-hmm. emotions, but he was able to see on her face, how sad she was. Right. And she was able to see how remorseful he was, which right. I think is, that's the best way to teach empathy. Right. So it so although it was uncomfortable and I would never want my child to hurt someone or do something, they were able to learn from this. And mm-hmm. he's been going back to the park since and they all have been getting along. And so oh. they they truly have learned from it. I love that. Oh, that's such a good story. And so many good takeaways too. Uh, something that came to my mind was we just need to let our kids process their emotions give them that space to go through it instead of just jumping in. Oh, no, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Don't be sad. Don't be sad. No, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to cry. It's okay to process all these emotions. Cause like you said, there's no such thing as a bad emotion. And we, the Mm -hmm. kids actually need to process all their emotions. The reason why it's, there's so many like high school age kids that are struggling mental health wise right now is because a lot of them didn't have the opportunity to process emotions as little kids. And so they're struggling to process them as older teens now, um, because Mm -hmm. a lot of them weren't given that space. 
because so many parents, me included, I have a two-year-old and two-month-old. <laughs> I am so terrified of sad emotions. I'm like, no, nah, uh, it's okay. It's okay. You're crying and that's fine. And I'm not going insane. Um, but the reason for that is probably how you were parented. It's just this generational cycle. But that's the really cool thing is we know so much about the brain now, just even in the last 20 years that we can change that. We know that yes. our brains are plastic and we know that we can develop the self-awareness that when our child's crying is affecting us and triggering us, it's like, okay, we now know that we can change that. We can not allow that to affect us, not allow us to flip our own lids because how can our kids be empathic or have self-control if we're not having self-control? I mean, I could just sit in a Walmart and see, you know, a, a parent screaming at a child, why are you screaming at me? And I'm like, um, well, if <laughs> first off, if, first off, you know, and I, I've done it too. Like I have totally, even though I know all these things and I have great self-awareness and it takes a lot of work. And I've spent years doing this work on myself. There are some times where I'm like, I don't care. I just want to be bad. And I don't care. I'm just going to, you know, yell at this moment, um, which is not good. But the big thing too, is if that does happen is to repair is right. to talk to your kids at best showing empathy too. It's like, Hey, I was totally offline. I did not take care of myself. I should have done this or what could I have, have I done? So it's really, really, really important. Every time you have what's called a rupture in your relationship is to repair that, uh, that rupture moment. Yeah. Yes. That rupture. I love that. Oh, so many good things, guys. So many golden nuggets here. So many different things that you could take away and implement. Um, I, we could talk for hours, honestly, I, I'm a nerd with all this stuff. I'm a, I'm big into psychology and personality and all this fun stuff. Um, um, but alas, we cannot for hours and hours. Well, I don't know. It's a holiday. No, I'm kidding. We have families. Um, so how can people find you? See what you're doing. Shameless plug time. Yes. So I have a blog called Raising Kids with Purpose and it's raisingkidswithpurpose.com. You can find me on Facebook under the same name and Instagram under the same name. I do have to say that I have been a little quiet on those, but there's tons and tons of tools on yes. my blog. I have a lot of toolkits, gratitude toolkit. Um, I have a lot of like family values, family goals, lots of tools to help you uh, have a good family culture with your kids. And a lot of the tools aren't just for the parents to fill out, but they're for the kids to fill out with the parents. Yes. There's activities, one-on-one activities. There's lots of different things on there. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, and all of that guys is in the show notes. So go check her out, go follow her. She shares these useful tips and tools all the time. Um, and then her blog is chuck full of them, like she said. And for your daily dose of positivity, go and follow me on Insta at bulliesbeat.gon. And always remember, you are wonderful, you are worthy, and you are worth it. Go home and give your kids an eight-second hug, and we'll see you on the next one.